resilience is also about building anti-fragility, right? It's about understanding that actually look at a plant in a garden or like a, a, or a rainforest or whatever. The, 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 the plants that give you the best fruit or the best vegetable, the, the ones that grow the strongest in a, in a community are the ones that are resilient, that actually had faced wind or faced the rain or faced pests and they survived. And then we enjoy their 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 deliciousness because they survived all of that, right? So we're like that as humans too, that when we practice ways to be resilient, when we actually face the wind or we face the challenges or we face difficulties and we, we go into them, we're like, hey, I actually want to do that because it's gonna make me stronger and healthier and happier. Um, it, 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 it allows us to enjoy life more resplendently. We're not scared. Curious Ones podcast by Andara. I'm Yael Ginsberg, the host of the podcast, a yoga and meditation teacher and philosophy lover. Each week you will hear eye-opening interviews with the different teachers of the Andara Yoga Institute located in beautiful Baja, Mexico, along with other teachers that pass through here. This life-changing knowledge shared through authentic, heartfelt communication will help you live a happier, more fulfilled, and connected life. Let's dive in. I'm so happy to have my guest today, Indy Rishi Singh. Indy is a well-being engineer who leads corporate wellness workshops and retreats with Fortune 500 companies and communities. He specializes in bringing yogic values to corporate settings. So welcome to the podcast, Indy. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for having me. And I, 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 even just hearing that makes me like feel like I'm like, I kind of like shrivel at that. Like, oh my God, I don't do all that. I'm, I'm just a, you know, I'm just a humble servant, you know, that's it. Well, you're a humble servant doing all of that. Touche, <laughs> touche. So maybe we can start with that. How did you get to doing this kind of work from being a yoga teacher and instructor and taking it into the corporate world. And I know you work with um, prisons and governments and you have a reach in so many different areas. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I feel it's important to understand my background. I mean, obviously, I, I come from a, a sick family, not a, <coughs> not a sick family, but a sick, <laughs> sick key practicing family. I grew up with sick key and the mm -hmm. philosophies and the mythologies of sick key. Um, but we're immigrants and we, you know, immigrated India because of the corruption and because, you know, it was really bad where there was a lot of, um, just like uh just like jewish people face during like the holocaust and even before and after sick people face the same thing in india um there's been a colonization of sick people um there might extreme minority like you know 0.5% of india is sick people so they've been really uh, so my, a lot of my family kind of left india to escape that persecution uh and when we came to america I kind of stopped practicing. I mean, I, I kind of became ashamed because I saw how people were making fun of, you know, they were making fun of me wearing a little, I was a little kid wearing a turban and my family and my cousins, uncles, they started cutting off the hair and, you know, we just started separating ourselves from our culture. And I and ended up 
following the path of going to medical school. I was a straight A's, Yael, so I went to medical school, of course. Good Indian boy, right? Um, and so I went to medical school, but in medical school, I crashed and burned. It was my third year, and I started popping Vicodin pills in the hospital as a way to cope with kind of what I was facing, a disconnection of, hey, I came here to be a healer, but I wasn't healing, and I wasn't given the opportunity to be to learn how to be a good healer. And something started happening within me where, I, you know, eventually I tried to kill myself. And that's a whole nother story, y'all. And in, in medical school, I had this like rude awakening, right? This deep, dark night of the abyss where it was like, I can't do this anymore. It's not aligned with my values. And I didn't get it, right? I like didn't understand that actually the values that I was, I was seeking are not inherently in the system that we're operating in. It's not even in, not, it's not inherently in it because they're not, that's not the main thing. It's about incent. It's about profits, right? So what ended up happening for me was when I left that, I went to India, started studying Ayurveda. And as I started Ayurveda, I came back to America and I started, I left medical school, but I was like, I'm going to like try out different industries because I had put so much energy into medical school. I'm like, let me try out like the financial industry. I moved to New York and worked in Wall Street for a little bit. And then I worked in, then I worked in education. Then I worked in Hollywood and worked at MTV and did some other stuff. And I was like, let me try out different spaces and see which one I want to do. And everywhere I went, Yael, I noticed the same pattern of really bad administration, like administrative people being very toxic, <laughs> right? And the people who are really good workers, like that good ethical hard workers were always taken advantage of and always burned out. Like they were getting burned out and spit out and the new people were brought in. It doesn't matter what industry, it doesn't matter what industry, right? Mm -hmm. Even the yoga industry, you see the same thing, yeah. right? And so I started being like, what is the problem? Like as somebody who likes to study the problems, I like to study the risks. I like this. I'm a, I'm a big like sports player. I also love chess. And so you always like, it's about strategy, right? And you start looking at, okay, where are the weaknesses? And you start noticing the weaknesses, the yogic philosophy, the philosophy of the yamas and niyamas, the idea that cooperative collaboration, that like, actually, it's not about anybody at the top. It's about everybody has a God in them. And for that God to be um, kind of like, uh, encouraged, right? So they could show up in their best way. That was not showing up in any industry. Like education, it wasn't showing up in. It wasn't showing up in Hollywood. It wasn't showing up in the financial industry. It wasn't showing up in the hospital or the, or the health industry, right? And so for me, it was like, oh, shoot. Like instead of me like going to each one and like trying to change it from within, what if I actually start, start to figure out a way to present yogic philosophies and practices and experiential understandings into the companies. And for me too, y'all, it started to become like, wait, I can't even use the word yoga. Because if I go to a bunch of people who like wear ties and are like very square, mm -hmm. right? If I bring up yoga, they're going to shut off. Yeah, they're going to roll their eyes. <laughs> oh yeah, you know it, right? Um, and they're like, yoga, I, first of all, I can't stretch, right? They think it's all stretching, right? And then, and then on top of it, it's like, wait, it's, it's also meditation is, is very, um, intimidating for people, right? Mm -hmm. So I started just learning how to use different language, like resilience mm -hmm. and neuroplasticity and just changing my language depending on who I'm speaking to. Because I feel language is really powerful. If we understand that, that actually, if we can find common language, then it doesn't really matter whether it's yoga or what. It's about connecting to our ourselves, right? Like our own health, our own happiness, our own well-being, right? And the language is all universal for that. Yeah, definitely. And I find that actually what we're talking about in yoga is so 
common and so approachable and so part of our everyday life. But the minute that you put the Sanskrit language onto it, then it sounds like something foreign and something that is maybe a little bit hippie or like out there. And then everybody gets, not everybody, but a lot of people get closed off to it and cancel it as like, not for me. When in reality, the actual process of what you need to do is so simple and so approachable, like, you know, just taking a deep breath, you know, <laughs> like it's so simple, but people get so put off by it just because of the language around it. So I completely understand what you're speaking about. That's interesting. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's also been a journey for myself too, because now I'm starting to come back around and starting to be involved in yoga festivals and being invited to speak and, and host panels at yoga festivals about the appropriation of yoga. Right. And actually, and creating circles and communication with the community, the yoga community that like, hey, you know, also let's acknowledge that some of the yoga has been appropriated. And that's why people feel a little right. That's the reason why people the general public feels like, oh, I can't do yoga is because it's been marketed a certain way. Right. It's been taken advantage of in a certain way. And it has it, it has it found its way into the health industry or the government industry or the education industry, not as much as it should. You know, like it has so much power to transform spaces. Yoga does, right? Definitely. So when you were looking at these different areas and finding these common threads of what actually holds people back, because that's such an important point. I find I've noticed this problem as well. So many industries that in their offering their base is to do good, you know, like police, hospitals, schools, all of these have such a beautiful intention behind them in their origin. But actually what happens, like, I don't know how it is in other countries, but let's say in Israel, the teachers here are hugely underpaid, mistreated. And then what happens is that the best teachers actually leave and go to other other places. So and they look at financial so, institutions. And that, exactly. <laughs> and of course, that's a huge disservice to all of society because these are our kids. This is our future. It's like, it's so obvious why the teachers are important for all of us in society. But um, when you looked at these different industries and you were trying to find the common threads, what happens? How do good workers, good people uh, get so burnt out? What were the things that you found? That's a great question, Yael, because I feel it's important to notice what what is a commonality, right? Like, I mean, if you ever want to look, seek truth, notice where it pops up in different cultures or different philosophies or different, you know, that's going to get you closer to truth when you see a pattern, right? And so for me, what I've noticed in seeing these industries, especially education, right, I, I feel there's... It, it, we need to be a little bit compassionate, a little bit ahimsa about it, right? Because the the... the the nuance here is that everybody's trying to do their best. Okay. Everybody's trying to do their best. Not, no, I, I don't think that there's really evil in the world. I mean, we can, that's a whole other argument, right? But my personally, for me and what I've also noticed some great teachers around the world, what they share is instead of evil, let's look at miserable versus joyful. And some, and folks who are miserable, they just can't help but share their misery. Like it's like, and people who are joyful, they can't share their joy. They can't help us share their joy, right? And and then there's everybody in between, right? And sometimes we're moving in between both spaces, right? But like the miserable people are the ones making decisions right now. 
So whether they're the administrators, the, the principal, I don't know how it is in Israel, like whoever is at the top making the decisions, number one, they're not often teachers. Or if you're at a tech company, it's not an engineer that's running it. Like even Elon Musk is not an engineer. Like everybody thinks he is, but he's just fooling around. He's not actually an engineer, engineer, you know? And so Bill Gates is not an engineer. Like he's never coded anything in his life. So we're talking about a lot of people who don't actually understand the workings of what happens with the people who are actually doing the work, right? And so what happens that from a disconnection is, number one, you from a spiritual place, you don't know what you're doing. Right. We know this. Everybody and the people who are listening here, when you don't know what you're doing, you get very insecure. Yes. So what do you what and if you have power and you have insecurity, well, those are very two very toxic things. So you end up actually getting intimidated by teachers who are doing good work. So like at a school, if a teacher is doing really amazing work and making a big splash, that's intimidating because it's not supposed to be at the teachers, but you, you're the principal, you're the headmaster, you're the person running the school. Right. So insecurity and power are very dangerous um, things. And that's what pattern kept showing up all over the place that people were unwell at the top. Like they might have money, they might be making a lot of money, but they're not healthy. They're not happy. Right? They're not joyful. Wow, And that's such a, it's so surprising, because you would think that like, if you're in a high position, if you have all this power, then that brings you some sort of joy or happiness or satisfaction, at least. Yeah, it's also, uh, if you don't practice yoga and you don't, I mean, you don't have to practice yoga, tai chi. If you don't have some healthy practices of body movement, of mental movement, of spiritual movement, of connecting to nature, if you don't have healthy practices and you're that powerful, oh man, it's gonna, it, 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 it's not gonna last. You can't hold that power and integrity mm -hmm. for too long, you know? Uh -huh. It's a lot of responsibility. People are expecting things from you. You have to make decisions. There's consequences for those decisions, right? You're talking about children. Yeah. That's like a heavy, even if you don't see that in your own consciousness, it is a truth that's there that your decision is affecting generations when you're talking about a school. Yeah. Wow. That's heavy. Yeah. I, I, I can't, I can't generalize on it, but I will say that I, I, I feel we know it because how long ago, Yael, were this, was this commonality that we had to think generations forward? Like how long ago was that? Where that wasn't common. We had to be thinking four or five generations forward. Mm -hmm. All of us. Doesn't matter where you're, what part of the world you're in. Yeah. Uh, What do you mean? What do you mean? What do you mean? I'm trying to like think about it. <laughs> like think about like 150 years ago, right? Like 100, like our great grandparents, right? They had to think about how their grandchildren are going to survive. And they didn't have like grocery stores and they didn't have like instant access to like any resources. They had to be like, oh, we have to plant things and make sure that we have this food or we have this land or we are sharing these we're bartering there's the egg people who are doing the eggs and we're doing the milk and so we have to make sure that we keep that relationship yeah. going right yeah 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 definitely but we don't definitely. most of us don't think More that way anymore wait but it's still in us <laughs> it's still in us you know yeah definitely so you found that there is a lot of um dissatisfaction and insecurity at the top level and disconnection from the grassroots and from the Um, let's say people who are on the ground and then what did you what did that make you realize and what did that make you want to do 
about it. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, I feel there's two sides of it for me. <laughs> one side was, one side was, okay, how can I show up in service and in integrity, recognizing this, right? So it's like, okay, I need to figure out tools that I could bring into these spaces, whether it's the schools or whether it's financial institutions or whether it's marketing agencies or whatever it is, right? Whatever industry it is, how can I bring in tools that connect the people at the top to the people at the bottom? Right. The workers mm -hmm. and the ad administration, the business administrators. Right. How do I connect them yeah. and how do I do it so fast that like actually that I don't have to stick around because <laughs> I don't want to deal with all the drama. Right. There's so many layers. I mean, that's some people have that responsibility at work now. Now people get hired. Right. People, culture, whatever. There's like jobs now to do HR, basically. Right. But even HR, they yeah. struggle because they don't have yogic tools. Right. So for me, yeah. I, I actually started to create something called neuroplasticity, meditation, neuroplasticity, play shops. I started actually making it more about play and using play to teach about yoga and kundalini and chakras and all this nervous system. So I started using those, but I didn't talk about those things. I would use science to talk about them and use research to talk about them in spaces, right? And not even use the word chakra or kundalini unless the community knew those things already, right? So if I'm doing a yoga festival, I'd bring it up, but I wouldn't bring it up. <laughs> like Google. <laughs> I have to tell you that I actually really understand what you're talking about because I worked one time in my life in a company. It actually was for five years. So not, not a small amount of my working life. Um, I've been, <laughs> I'm 29. <laughs> um, so, and why is so, beyond your years? <laughs> actually, thank you. Actually, um, I had an, I had a feeling there that the company was actually working just like this. I had a feeling that the manager of the company doesn't really know what's going on in the everyday life of the people who are working and that he didn't really want to know also that he, even when I would try to bring it up, he would kind of, um, I think he felt like he knows better because he's in the management position and he has this vision of the company and like, okay, now I know what to do and you don't understand. You're just 20. <laughs> and, and I was really frustrated by it because I felt like, how can you know what we need if you're not here? You're not having the conversations that we're having you're not trying to make things happen like we are so how can you not even take a moment to take it into consideration so i completely understand what you're talking about and um you brought up the playfulness playfulness that you bring into the corporate settings and actually you have something in your website about conflict management through these play shops and these tools to help improve communication within the organizations. So could you um, speak a little bit about that? How do you take these CEOs, these managers that are on their like, you know, high horse for lack of a better word, <laughs> um, that think they know best and they know where to take the company and how do you tell them to like come down to another level and look at things in another way? <laughs> okay. I just hit them on the head with my with my bansuri, you know. I'm like bang, 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 bang. Um, 
Actually, that's that some of the Zen masters, right? Do that, right? They hit you with a stick and it creates, creates humility, right? Um, actually, actually, that's funny, right? To think about that, right? It's, it's the, the hack there. I mean, I like to use the word hack, but hopefully that doesn't, you know, bother anyone, but like I'm a big tech person, right? So, you know, the hack there is that really what we're talking about is people have, they're, they're stuck in their ego. Right. They're stuck in their drama, their power, their insecurity, their worry. Right. It's whatever it is. It's, it's something about the ego and not having humility. Right. That doesn't allow them to connect to other people. And we know this, too, in our relationships. We can see it just in partnerships, relationships, when we are humble and in service, the relationship blossoms. Right. And then when we're like an ego and our, what do we want? It doesn't blossom. It doesn't matter what kind of relationship it is. And so for me, what I try to do, especially with play and we talk about conflict management, by the way, before I go even any of these directions, I have to like thank all of my teachers and my mentors. Cause after I left medical school, Yael, I like was like, I'm not going to study. I'm not ever going to pay money to any institution to teach me anything. I'm going to go find people who are living what I want to learn. You know, like the people, like masters, yeah. like let me find masters. Cause in medical school, they're not, they're not healthy. <laughs> the teachers are not healthy themselves and they're teaching you about health. Right. So I was like, I need to go find people who are living it. And I've been really fortunate to have teachers like, you know, Dr. Alex Einhorn, who's one of the top chiropractors in Manhattan. And he taught me how to teach laughter, but using science. Right. And not just laughter, but how to use laughter for healing, how to use laughter for communication, how to use laughter for um, conflict resolution, how to use laughter also to deal with trauma and our pain and our suffering, right? To understand that laughter is actually a tool, right? It's a really amazing tool that we barely even explore. We like barely touch on it. Like it's something that we should be exploring more, all of us individually and collectively, because it's, you just think about like our favorite comedians, they come from traumatized communities. So we need to be thinking about how also laughter is a way for us to move through trauma and not be avoiding laughter, but actually going more into it. Right. Um, that being said, yeah. I, I also honor my other teachers like Dr. Bhashwati Bhattacharya, who taught me about Ayurveda and how to connect Ayurveda with, with um, Western medicine and allopathy, how to actually communicate between those two spaces. Because Ayurveda teaches us so much about pranayama, right? And we have to learn that breath and breathing together has a really potent effect that's subtle. That, you know, actually you want to do conflict resolution, first just breathe at the same pace as each other. Forget about being like, do you believe what I believe in? <laughs> you know, like sometimes we're trying to get somebody to understand what we, you need to understand me, <laughs> right? But like, yeah. what if we breathe together first before we mm -hmm. figure each other out, right? Like, what if we do subtle things, yeah. right? Um. Anyways, so those are some just some nuances that I've gotten over the years from studying and be, being, having mentors and teachers who are now my friends. And we continue to build relationships and collaborate together because I feel that's kind of where we synthesize ways to tackle um, folks who are stuck in their ego, right? If they are in powerful positions, how do we break down that ego? But we break it down with love and compassion and creativity and also courageousness. Because going up to a CEO and getting and getting that CEO to laugh <laughs> and to be ridiculous and playful, right? With their community, right? Is it takes also a lot of courage out of me. Like I have to like really push really hard and be really creative and be really courageous to get kind of break the walls, right? You know, there's walls you've seen at the company, right? You saw that there's a wall mm -hmm. between the people in power and everybody yeah, else. Definitely. I would also love to hear from you a little bit, maybe like for the people listening, how can they approach 
breaking down these walls and starting a conversations around this um, about changing the um, power dynamics. Oh, then everybody's going to have take my job. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I actually, <laughs> I actually, actually, I joke, I, I always joke during my sessions, whether I'm doing it at a company or I'm doing it in the community or I'm, wherever I'm doing it, right? Because I volunteer a lot. Like I try to balance, right? The, the, I try to balance like doing the stuff where you get paid and supported with also supporting the communities that can't afford it, right? The ones who don't have mm -hmm. access to stuff, at least right now. Maybe we, that's why I'm involved in government these days is how do we create that access for everyone, right? Um, but, um, I, I would say, uh, yeah, what I usually always say to all these groups, I'm like, look, I, if whatever I'm sharing with you, like, I don't want to come back again. <laughs> I don't want to keep coming back every year or every month. Like if I share something with you, you guys keep it going. Like you got to make it your own. Like, I don't want to come back. I'm not like yeah, so all these other like things. Yeah, I'm not all the, like the, all these gurus and all everything that are like, hey, you need to have take my course and do this. I'm I'm not interested in anybody taking any of my courses. I don't have any courses. I I really want people to to embody joyfulness and just share it with their community, right? Like learn what joyfulness is and then do it where you're at, right? Wherever you are, um, it can transform places when you're joyful, right? And so that's kind of the hack right there is actually understanding your joy and being able to be courageous in your joy. And that's different for everyone, right? Like I just played the flute. Maybe maybe playing an instrument helps you feel joyful. Maybe humming something makes you feel, maybe drawing something makes you joyful. Maybe t asking people questions and learning about them and then getting them to share their stories makes you feel joyful. It's understanding what your joy is, what brings you joy, and then just being unabashed about it. Like just being courageous and showing up loudly in your joy. And especially if you're in a company or an organization, it, it starts to become contagious. Right. Other people there start to be like, wait, why are you why are you so happy? <laughs> you know, and you're like, oh, hey, I'm doing this and I feel good. You want to do this with me or what do you have? And you could do it with me, whatever you brings you joy. Mm -hmm. So like you would guide people to start to cultivate joy within them in order to affect change or in 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 what's the word to um inspire inspire change in their in the organization dynamics yeah i mean I, that's kind of also if you notice i mean i'm sure you notice that the company you are and the folks who are listening here i mean especially if you've left any corporate industry to be in yoga you probably left it because you're like wow i i don't feel like i can be joyful i don't i feel like i'm getting burned out and overworked and I'm, i'm not getting appreciated right and so joy is so we can appreciate ourselves and where we're showing up but also I feel it's a window. When you do that window, it starts to give permission to everybody in the space to do that because it is, a, most of these spaces become toxic because everybody is kind of self-censoring themselves, right? Mm -hmm. Like everybody's self -censoring. And then and then if you really need like a jump start, then you'd be like, hey, Indy, uh, can you bring some of that laughter, that neuroplasticity to our company? And then I can I can jumpstart it, right? I'll jumpstart the joyfulness. And then then people will feel like, oh, this is why we're doing it because it's going to improve our focus. It's going to improve um, our collaboration. It's going to improve. It's going to be bottom dollar. Like, so even the people at the top will make more money because everybody's working better. They're more happier. They're more focused. They're more aligned. They're sleeping better. Right. All the yogic. Well, you what happens when you practice yogic things? Right. You just better at everything. Right. That's what people at companies want and at schools and everything. Yeah. 
But so, so maybe sometimes you need an infusion of a reminder of this is why we need to practice joyfulness because it makes everything hey, better. I'm quickly interrupting the episode to extend an invitation. If you're interested in deepening into any of the subjects we talk about on the podcast, we offer many different experiences on our beautiful grounds here in Baja, Mexico. From nine-day modules such as sound healing and yoga nidra to breath and meditation, as well as two or 300-hour yoga teacher trainings and many different shorter retreats. Check out our website, yandara.com, to see all the information about the different experiences. Let's get back to the episode. So in in your intention behind your programs and what you try to bring to these uh, workshops and organizations, could you speak a little bit about the intention? What are you trying to instigate with the things that you bring to the company? I mean, I, I, I can go off on a whole tangent of like, like the subtle layers of what I'm doing. And that's like more mystical, right? Oh my gosh, mystical. <laughs> uh, feel free to go wherever you'd like. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, I, 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 I've been brought up with, um, with, with amazing mythology and it's not mythology. It's actually stories of saints, right? And, and that what saints have done to transform communities by actually bringing in really deeply virtuous activities, right? Whether it's feeding people or it's taking care of those who are like vulnerable, whether it's women and children or whatever, like that's, that's been a theme in my life that I grew up with. And I, and I want to embody it with whatever I do is actually empowering those who don't have power, right? Who've sometimes it's been robbed from them in a lot of ways. And so how do we bring that, bring back balance, right? And harmony. So for me, the, the deeper sense of what I'm doing is actually introducing harmony into spaces of harm. Because right now, a lot of these spaces are harmful. And they're harmful all the way from bottom to top. It's not, it's not, nobody's, this, the harm at the bottom from the workers is different from the harm from the management, you know? They're all yeah. feeling the harm, right? And and now you're seeing all over the world how the decisions that the people at the top are making are hurting. They're actually causing, they're causing ecological disasters and economic disasters, and right? Like it's happening. We're seeing how they're, so it's, the harm is happening everywhere, right? So for me, how do I bring harmony in? And maybe that harmony is playing the flute and doing a sound bath at the company, right? Or playing some music and being like, here, we're going to breathe. That's harmony, right? Mm -hmm. Harmony is also laughing together, Yayo. Like if we just laugh together, that's going to create harmony between us. We're going to like appreciate, mm -hmm. we're going to bond socially, right? So for me, I'm just exploring how to bring harmony into spaces where there's a lot of harm. I love that because I think that's a good beginning for people because of course, uh, I think it would be wonderful if everybody could have you as a, a guest in their company and bring all this laughter in. But for those of you who, who might not have the access um, to have this initial thought of how can I act in a way that brings more harmony um, between me and the people I'm working with or between me and myself and just having that as like an initial intention could be a really good place to start. Absolutely. Oh, beautiful. Well, 
Cool. Well said. I mean, and I'll, I'll add something else to Yael. I, I didn't get to answer, uh, fully answer earlier. You asked a question. How, how am I bringing these practices into spaces? Um, yes, I do go to companies and I go to organizations and I go to communities and offer all kinds of different offerings around neuroplasticity, right? And, and joyfulness. Um, at the same time, I am also now participating in two companies now that are cooperative yogic companies, right? And the intention with both of those is how do we, from the start, like how do we build a, like one of them is an education gaming company, right? We're like innovating around education. We're reimagining education and we're all, there's no CEO. Like we're, we're very mycelial. We're my yogic. Like there's no boss. We're all each other's bosses. We're all each other's friends. We're all each other's. We're like a, in a, like a garden and we're all educators, right? That are trying to build the education system that's going to also support us, right? The other company is a tech company that's a bunch of engineers. And so we're a bunch of engineers coming up with technology that will support civic engagement, right? Incentivize civic engagement, right? But we're all engineers. So there's, and it's actually some, and it's all balanced masculine, feminine, and we have women and men. And actually a lot of the women in these groups are so excited and happy, like sometimes uncomfortable because they have power to tell everybody what to do. And a lot of times that's not real. Like, and you, sometimes you can't even be a woman when you have that leadership role. I've, I've been at companies where the women start to become like men in the leadership yeah. roles. And no, no, we, we want, we want the diversity. We want the masculine and feminine collaborate because there's things I can't percept. There's perspectives I can never have. I'm a man, but I would love to support the women who have an idea and they're in their feminine. So I, in these companies, so for me, it's been like, I'm never going to work ever again at any company personally that is hierarchical. That's not yogic, right? That's not, um, mycelial because what happens is it, eventually that person at the top of those people at the top, they're going to become unwell. It's too much. It's not, it's not, not yeah. just not fair. They like, just like you said, they're just never going to understand what the people at the, that are doing the work are doing, mm -hmm. you know? So why start it that way? Yeah. Why ever have that? Why, why not just start it where we're yogic? <laughs> So one, so one of the companies is, uh, one of the companies is called Cosmic Labyrinth, right? And I, I think you will like this, Yael, because it's really cool. What we're kind of uh, developing is a game that is connected both to the virtual and the real world where you can connect with teachers of all kinds, but you're actually connecting to them around the elements, earth, wind, fire, water. And you're learning how to bring balance to those elements in the real world right? By doing activities like planting trees, planting native plants, maybe you're going and setting a water well somewhere, maybe you're doing stuff, you know, you're volunteering in a community, right? Or whatever it is, as you're doing those things, you're also earning those, those elements and improving on those elements. And you said you were a Gemini. So we're actually connecting it to astrology like that, too, that people like different, we're, we're all made up of different elements ourselves. So learning how to become a better Gemini. I'm a Taurus, learning how to become a better Taurus, but maybe you gotta go hang out with some other Tauruses, or maybe you gotta balance out, you're a Gemini, maybe you gotta hang out with the Taurus because we're the earth element and we we can, we can if we teamed up on something, we might be able to do something better because we're teaming up with earth and air, mm -hmm. right? So we're kind of like, as educators, we're imagining how do we create a game where you learn about yourself, but you also make the world, the real world better. Like you're not like doing it virtually. You're actually making the world better and you're connecting with teachers and mentors and students as well. Cause maybe you can teach something Yael in that space to other Gemini's and you have something that you can share to other air element people. So anyways, that's kind of what we're doing with that. And, and, and this is, we're only getting to where we're at now, Yael, is because we're so yogic. Like, you know, even when there's conflicts in our company, 
like we we deal with it with love and integrity we don't like avoid the conflict you know a lot of places they avoid mm -hmm. conflict and no like no this is where we want to love each other and get better together like all of us want to get better yeah cool i love that that sounds really cool and interesting um <laughs> I would love to speak about neuroplasticity that you brought up before, because that's a subject that really interests me. I am all about creating our own reality lately, and um, it really, really starts from recognizing what is existing in our brains like our beliefs our patterns our habits all of that and then changing it so um could you explain a little bit about what is neuroplasticity how can we use it in or like work with it and use it in our advantage how can people you know in simple easy to do ways use this information to create positive change in their lives Hmm, I love that. Um, neuroplasticity is not too different than what the rishis were talking about, you know, in, in ancient India the and the seers, right? It's it's and even the Chinese medicine and indigenous philosophies all over the world, right? It's just understanding that we're always changing, like our our, our neural chemistry, our neural feedback mechanisms, our neural, I mean, there's not even a psycho neural immunological aspect to it, right? Where like, we are constantly, it's constantly updating, like our, our system is updating all the time. And it's updating a lot based on what information we're bringing in. Right. So if we're like doing new activities, we're learning new things, we're practicing even joyfulness. Right. Because laughter is incredibly neuroplastic. Right. Um, so mm. if we're doing things that are kind of like pushing us into uncomfortable spaces. Right. That actually is how you develop your neuroplasticity. And neuroplasticity just means that your neurons can make new connections and grow and evolve. Right. So like, you know, even if you have a habit, like a like a habit or a pattern that you're making, you can if you like learned an instrument, a new instrument, maybe that maybe for you, everybody's different. Right. With their neuro their neurochemistry. Right. But if if somebody was playing a new if somebody was stuck in a habit and they started a new instrument, they might break that habit that had nothing to do with that instrument. It's just because when we develop new neural connections, it sometimes also breaks habits or patterns because it just creates a new connection. It's also probably why when people do mushrooms or do psychedelic things, how that's also an opportunity because there's such a, if you watch the, the brain and the neurons when you like take mushrooms, for example, it's like lit on fire. So there's new neural connections being made when you're on a psychedelic, for example. So that allows for an opportunity for a transformation. Right. Um, within your your within your consciousness, within your perceptions. But you could do it through yoga and meditation. Right. Like same thing when you're in deep samadhi. Right. Like you're really practicing deep meditation. You're also firing off all kinds of neural connections. Right. So neuro neuroplasty is that. How can it really affect people? I mean, right away, the implications are whatever condition you have right now, whether it's a chronic illness, whether it's a mental condition, whether it's depression or frustration or anxiety or whatever it is, neuroplasticity, what it implicates is that it, it doesn't have to be. It, it can change. So basically, scientifically, we know that what 
we are now, the patterns, the thoughts, the way that we act now is not set. We can always change it. Um, so how does one approach that? How does one start to change their habits and patterns and the way that they act and actually basically everything in their life? <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, I, and it's, it's like, it's just a fine line right here too, Yael, about like, like getting to woo woo. Like we're getting so close to woo woo. Right. And at the same time, I do want to be grounded okay. in, in and maybe science is all the right, but I want to be grounded in, in grounded. Right. Like we can't be too woo woo yeah. up here and we need to be at the heart. Definitely. Right. So we need to balance Definitely. the ground and, and the woo woo, <laughs> the ethereal. Um, but certainly something is going on with our mind. Uh, there's a fantastic book called the, the brain's way of healing that's written by several doctors actually. Right. That actually found and discovered. And, and I mean, we have the placebo effect, right? Like they found people who took diseases that nobody could cure. And they just started believing that they could, that they would be cured. And then they would mm -hmm. cure themselves through their mind. And then we know placebos work better than drugs. Actually, this is like scientific studies have shown that placebos work better than medications do at wow. rectifying people. Okay. So like, mm -hmm. so what? So the mind is actually like our, <laughs> like, you know, if you are consciously want to do getting to a place where you're resilient and healthy and strong and happy, it has to start here. It has to, because what, even you're if you're going to do, I mean, I'm maybe not here, but like it has to start with your thoughts. Like you have to be yeah, in, just you for have people to, who are not watching the video. Yes. Oh, so you, <laughs> you, you have to be the director of your thoughts, right? Like if you're not, if you're not, if you're not in control of your thoughts, your thoughts will be in control of you. Right. And, mm -hmm. and so it's very important to be a master of your thoughts because those thoughts become words. And so if then if you get to the point where you're actually saying the word, now you're also saying it to somebody else. So they're also not thinking about you in those words, right? That power of that. So it's actually reverbing back at you. But if you can start to actually be mindful of your thoughts and aware of your thoughts, then it, it's a matter of practice of being like, how do you want to be? What do you, how do you want to talk to yourself? What thoughts do you want to use? And where do you want to go with those? Because those thoughts not just become words, but they also become actions. So, you know, let's say you have a, I'll give you an example. I, when I was in medical school, I ended up having a chronic GI issue, right? And it was like a irritable bowel syndrome slash whatever, Crohn's disease. They, they were like throwing out everything at me. They're like, we don't know what you have, but you're going to have it your whole life. That's what they said to me. And I was in medical school. So I was like, I was believing it, but then a, a different doctor would tell me a different thing. And another different time, I'm like, uh, okay, well, I guess I'm just stuck with this. And then when I started studying Ayurveda, one of the main things in Ayurveda was first, find your inner harmony, like practice that you're actually fine. You're fine how you are. Like you're good, right? You're, you're safe. You're good. You're comfortable. And then from that place, start to imagine what you need to do to be healthy, right? And in that imagination, I started eating healthier in the morning. I started sleeping better at night. I started going for walks and just taking my time with stuff and slowing down. And then I got better in one month. Yeah, yeah, one month, no medication. I was like, fine. And so it's like, you know, and so it's something to think about. And this is my own personal journey with something that no medication, nothing was helping. Right. And I was a doctor. I was like studying to be a doctor. And so this is also why I started popping Vicodin because I was like, wait, this is not I don't want to do this <laughs> anymore. Um, but I would say that, you know, um, 
uh, I would say that it's important to recognize that we have to understand that neuroplasticity also means playfulness, right? Like what it suggests is that when we play more, like if, you know, instead of learning an instrument, play an instrument. Instead of, you know, instead of learning a dance, play with a dance, right? Instead of being with other people, right? And like talking, like talking a bunch of smack or complaining or worrying. What if you're playing? with other people, like playing a game, a board game or playing. And that is also neuroplastic because what that does is it also builds social bonding. It builds bonding with yourself that actually you can be playful. You could, your inner child is okay. And by the way, as we're sharing this, Yael, most of what I'm sharing, most of our issues actually start from our inner child or from our ch childhood. So if we, if we come next to play and neuroplasticity, we're actually coming as children. We were incredibly neuroplastic. Look how resilient we were. If we got sick, we get sick in this way. We get sick and we get healthy, right? Really fast. We could eat a bunch of crap and we be healthy, right? Because we're so neuroplastic as children, but also even emotionally, right? As children, we're more resilient. But as we get older, we get stuck in certain like, you know, certain habits of, of mental illness, right? But if we could start to actually like understand that we're not stuck there, but we have to be a little playful. We might have to get uncomfortable. Like maybe if we go a little bit more uncomfortable in those places that we are suffering, that maybe we might uh, transcend that suffering and be joyful, mm -hmm. right? But it does require some courage and courage is easier when you're playful. That's <laughs> what I'm trying to say, right? Yeah, I love that because I think that it's such a good point. We take life so seriously and everything is like such a big deal. Everybody's like scrutinizing everything. You have to do it in a certain way. Like, I feel like we're so hard on ourselves and we're really hard on other people. So I love that you introduced that first, if you want to create change first, look at it in a different way you know like it's not that serious you can just enjoy the process it's not like now you're starting a diet or you want to eat differently that you have to be strict and you have to do it in like a serious manner and be hard on yourself if you don't do it like just changing the approach of making it a game making it joyful i feel like that in itself would create such a different effect on what we're trying to do and like make it really change the way that it affects us. So I love that. <laughs> and I also love what, what you were speaking about that actually it begins with our thoughts and modern monitoring our thoughts and becoming aware of our thoughts. Um, because we are not, most of us, first of all, we're not taught to even notice our thoughts. It's automatic and it just happens. And you're completely right in that the, it really like in my personal development practice, I've noticed that really the change starts from becoming aware of how things are. So I love that. You also speak about resilience. Um, how do you teach people to become more resilient? <laughs> <laughs> uh, resilience interesting because we're like in a, we're in like a really polar, um, polar situation right now where like folks are really fragile, 
right now. I mean, for a good reason. Like the world is the world is kind of crazy right now. So you know, there's a lot of fragility, um, and and the fragility also also comes from a lot of people being very comfortable for a long time, and now things are not comfortable, so they're becoming even more fragile, <laughs> right? Um, and so, uh, or their comfortability is being challenged, and so that they're becoming more fragile. They're like, and then and then what happens? I, at least what I noticed with fragility too is that they project it. Then people when when folks are fragile fragile they project it on their loved ones or they project it on strangers they project it on people right and because they're fragile right and so for me resilience is also about building anti-fragility right it's about understanding that actually look at a plant in a garden or like a, a, or a rainforest or whatever the, the 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 plants that give you the best fruit or the best vegetable the the ones that grow the strongest in a, in a community are the ones that are resilient that actually had faced wind or faced the rain or faced pests and they survived and then we enjoy their 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 deliciousness because they survived yeah. all of that right so we're like that as humans too that when we practice ways to be resilient when we actually face the wind or we face the challenges or we face difficulties and we we go into them we like hey i actually want to do that because it's going to make me stronger and healthier and happier um it it it, it allows us to enjoy life more resplend resplendently we're not scared right and so for me resilience is is about being courageous and and fearless Right. Um, and, and, and that's different for everybody. Right. Cause some people want to go out and like do yoga on like the top of like a, a mountain and they're like, you know, they're doing it like, well, a different way. But then there's also courageousness in showing up in government and showing up in these places that are really boring and toxic and yucky and showing up there and being like, I want to help my community because, and I'm not going to get bothered by this because I practice yoga and meditation and I practice all these things to be resilient that I'm not going to let anybody's boringness or selfishness or anything affect me. Like I'm, I know who I am. Right. So that's also, that's also resilient. Mm, right. Definitely. And it reminds me of what we were saying before that actually to change the dynamics in a company, in a place that actually feels maybe even toxic or unsafe or unhealthy to decide to be the one that comes with the intention of harmony or of peace or of um, seeing each other. That is in itself a very courageous act already. Um, and I love that you say that when you become a light worker, I'll use a different word, but a yogi, a healer, when you be become one of those people in society, then you are able to create the change just from the presence that you bring to the environment that might not be that healthy. So I love that. Yeah, and and that and that's a great point, Yael. Thanks for saying that. I mean, it's 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 a uh, it's you say light worker. I, I'm more of like a shadow worker these days. I feel like pushing people's shadows. Mm -hmm. Um, but but it's it's yeah. you know it's uh it, it it is important for us at this moment in all of our lives to be leaning more into the shadow because the shadow is actually where we transform, right? That's where our weaknesses are. That's where our triggers are. That's where our worries, that's where actually sometimes even our suffering comes from, right? And so if we lean into the shadow, if we, and sometimes leaning means volunteering. Like let's say, let's say you had a bad childhood. I'm just throwing the example out. Let's say you had a really terrible childhood. Your parents were really toxic or you had a toxic situation at home, right? One of the best ways to heal from that Right. Is not to continuously doing personal development work, but actually, yes, to do personal development work, but also go volunteer with a bunch of kids. 
that have less are much less fortunate than you are. Go volunteer with them and just go go do that for a month and then see how you feel uh, from that. And a lot of times we don't do that because we're so stuck in our own individual suffering that we don't understand that actually it's a collective suffering also that we experience and we can heal through collective liberation as well. It's like our liberation is not attached only to ourselves. You know, we're all inter interwoven with each other. So if another person is liberating because of you, you better believe you're also liberating from that person's liberation, right? And we, we get so stuck in our own story that we forget that actually we're, it's just a collective. We're, we're in community, <laughs> whether you like it or not. Yeah. We love it. We, we thrive in community, right? Yeah, definitely. Oh, I love that so much. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for letting me share. It's a, I, I mean, it's also important for me to share this with your community because this is like a really powerful moment for the yogis to rise. Like for all those who practice like meditation and yoga and Ayurveda and all these different, and, and there's also Kabbalah and there's also all these different practices that are really potent practices of strengthening your willpower and your strength. But what what's the point of that if you're like off in a bubble in the forest or you're in the caves of the Himalayas that's not going to do anything for anyone mm -hmm. right but if you can go and take that to the corporations you could take it to the governments you could take it to the organizations that have power and you yeah. bring these philosophies there of collectivism and sharing and yogic philosophies yamas and yamas you bring it there this world will become like a paradise Really fast. Definitely. I feel like that's the direction that our world is going to. There are so many yoga teachers that are becoming yo or people that are becoming yoga teachers and coaches and healers in every different type of field and culture. And I really believe that there are so many people that are going in this direction because the world in general as a collective is going in this direction. And we need a lot of teachers and leaders to guide our planet in or our humanity in that direction. So um, I really have a lot of hope for that. Yeah, we need more deep breaths, right? <laughs> and yes. and more more ohms. And and on on that note too, Yayo, I'm gonna get in trouble if I don't bring up bring this up. <laughs> but um, I, I I'm really fortunate this year to have been invited, or it was start we started last year, but into this year to have been invited to be a part of the programming team for the Sedona Yoga Festival. It's a it's also a conference in Sedona, and it's the tenth anniversary. And one of the cool things about being a part of that team, and it's super diverse. Like we have a couple of Indians, South Asians. We have a, a black brother who's a yogi. We have um we have somebody who is from the LGBTQ community. We have so it's, I mean it's awesome. We have such a diverse team that's organizing it. And one of the things that we this this particular festival we're totally doing totally differently is it's a lot there's a lot of call to actions so there's gonna be all these people coming from all the world there and the point is we have huddles and we're gonna have different engagements that it's not just a festival where we're just gonna have fun and we're gonna have fun yes but also how do we go back to wherever all the everybody who's coming how do you go back and have an effect in your communities when you go back However that is, if you want to help the healthcare there, we're going to have stuff about that. You want to help the education there, we're going to have stuff about that. You want to help the civic engagement, birthing, you want to help with the birth care and the birthing. We're going to have all kinds of different things to help so people can go back to their communities. And so it's the first festival where we're actually really being very mindful about what's going to happen after the festival, not just at the festival. 
right? Yeah. And so I'm really grateful to be a part of that. I hope you can come and some of the people who come, but like Sedona Yoga Festival is going to be I awesome this so. year. And Sedona, by the way, Yael, I don't know if you've, have you ever been to Sedona? No. Oh my God. So it's like, so for the Native Americans, when they, the Northern American Native Americans, it used to be a place they all used to meet every year to talk about all their problems, issues, whatever. And then they would go back to their, their, their villages and their communities. So it's a vortex. It's been a vortex for a long time and it's an amazing vortex. And this festival is cool too, because we're not stuck in a place. People are going to be able to do different engagements around Sedona because there's like incredible spots that like, I mean, I can't even, I'm like, it's mind blowing, right? The, the places and the vortexes that are there. But anyways, I wanted to share that too, because I feel that right now is also a time like Kumbh Mela, right? And Nagarik Shastra, and I'm throwing some, you know, like Sanskrit out there with you, right? But like, these are philosophies and important practices. The Kumbh Mela is a place where all the, all the mystics would come and meet, right? In India. Mm-hmm. And they would meet and share their wisdoms, but then they would also share what they're learning about what works in their communities and what doesn't. Right. What's helping the community? What's not helping the community? Right. The, um, the Nagarik Shastra is a part, big, big part of the, the, the Vedas. And that's about political yoga. Nagarik Shastra mm-hmm. is political yoga. Like, how do you practice? That's the next level. It's like where you take yoga into the politics. Right. And so these yeah. things are really important right now because yeah, everything is falling apart. So we need to like actually be more proactive about these aspects of yoga as well. Yeah, I love that because it really is true because we have our own personal practice and our we go to retreats and trainings and all of these uh, lovely, beautiful events and festivals. And then we do have a responsibility to take what we learned and bring it back to our lives and share it there and instill these practices and these values to our day-to-day life. So I love that. Um, We'll move on to our closing curiosity questions that I end each episode with. I've loved this conversation. Thank you so much so far. Um, The first question is, what is something you've changed your mind about? Oh my gosh. <laughs> uh, the thing that comes up right away is, uh, is hope. I changed my mind about hope. What do you mean? That uh, I used to be very pessimistic that everything and cynical mm. that, yeah, things are just the way going to be the way they're going to be. That this is always going to be like this. And now I, I, yeah, no, nothing is, nothing is stuck. Nothing is ever stays the same. Everything is always changing. I'm completely, uh, completely swimming in hope now. What is something you didn't think you could do and you did? Ooh, that's a good one. Um, learn how to play this, this thing. Like you just, you know, you the... This, I never could play the instrument my whole life. I tried to play all kinds of instruments. And this, um, this, uh, we were, we, we hosted something in New York. It was an awesome event. And this amazing musician from India gave me this flute and he's like, carry it everywhere you go. This Bansuri flute, like don't leave home without it. And I was like, oh man, this is huge. Are you serious? And, um, after, and I, and I literally, I, I tried to play in the subway. I tried to play all, and I couldn't. I sounded horrible. People would be like, people were like, ugh, they're like, move away from me. But after three months, after three months, it clicked, Yael. And when it clicked, I was like, oh, I can't, you know, we all can make music, neuroplasticity, like we all can, but we have to, 
we just have to find the right moment and the right instrument, you know, like we just had to, and now I could play other instruments, but like it did take one particular, uh, uh, like Lego piece. Amazing. Amazing. And the persistence to keep trying. That's true too. And even the challenge too. I mean, that, the Krishna thing was like, wait, oh, dude, like you gave me a flute and I'm Indian. I gotta, I gotta do this, you know? And last question. What are you curious about right now? Ooh, I, I'm curious to explore what all of our collaborations will crystallize. Uh, including this collaboration right now with you and Andara and the, whether it's Sedona Yoga Festival, whether it's Cosmic Labyrinth, whether it's the government work and working with the collaborating with the different communities, the farmers, I'm collaborating with so many people, but they're all intertwined, even with you, this conversation. For me, it's, it's the inter, intertwiningness. Is that a word? The intertwiningness of the golden thread. For me and how I can weave the golden thread to all the things I do with the golden rule and, you know, how how that can crystallize, like what can happen from even this conversation, the ripple effects of what can be inspired is it, it, it makes me really excited. I'm really, really excited to explore these um, the golden thread, creating something golden for our planet and maybe beyond our planet or dimension. <laughs> Amazing. I'm curious about that, too. Um, is there anything else that is important for you to share, Indy? Uh, anything else? Uh, well, I guess one one other thing I'll share is an encouragement to all of those who are listening. I, I, I have a sense that those who are listening to this podcast are leaders, are, are leaders in their own right, whatever that means. Like they're leaders in their communities, they're leaders in... They, are, they, or they believe they're leaders, right? And, um, and so, because if you're listening to something called Curious Ones, you're going to be already being curious. You're going to be a leader. Uh, and so my encouragement is to um, contemplate and meditate and, and synthesize gathering spaces for your community. Like encourage you to create spaces of gathering, physical gathering, not just virtual, but physical. Maybe it's at a park. Maybe it's on a farm. Maybe it's a place, places where people can come together. And from those places of coming together, sharing joyfulness and celebrating each other's cultures and backgrounds. And, and then also creating a space where you can talk about ideas for helping the community, right? Because if you're doing it on a farm, how can you help the farmers and creating food? If you're doing it with, uh, there's nurses and doctors or there's um, healers there. How can you help the nurses and healers? If there's educators, how can you support the educators? Uh, whatever it is creating gathering spaces, right? And just, and, and not being too worried about making it something crazy and big and huge, just maybe just starting small and just simple and, you know, just having potluck and inviting people and creating gathering spaces, but being intentional too, that actually you're also talking about ideas of how you can make the community better and help the community be healthier and happier and more joyful. And, and for you, and just as a leader, exploring how that starts to make you feel as you start showing up in that way and not holding it all on yourself too, delegating it, inviting other people to share the leadership, being more yogic, right? About that process. It doesn't, you don't have to be the boss. How about everybody is the boss, right? And seeing what happens in those kind of gatherings. And so, and if you don't know how to do those things, reach out to me. I'll support you. I'll encourage you. I'll do whatever. I got a lot of energy, right? Yeah. Yes, definitely. I love your energy. And I love, love, love that you said that because I feel a calling to do that in for myself in my community and it's amazing that you have just brought that up so I'm gonna reach out to you to get some advice for sure I'm so happy you mentioned that um thank you 
so much. Thank you for this beautiful conversation. I enjoyed it so much. I enjoyed connecting with you. Um, please tell us how people can stay connected with you and find you after this episode. I, on Instagram, I'm tickle underscore sing, tickle sing. <laughs> um, and uh, a really good place to find me is, is on LinkedIn because I'm, I'm very active in the business communities and doing a lot of work in, in business spaces. So Indy Rishi Singh on LinkedIn, I-N-D-Y Rishi Singh um, on LinkedIn. And uh, I also... Um, I mean, Cosmic Labyrinth is awesome. I definitely encourage those people to tune in to what we're doing because we're building something that could become the next, the anti-TikTok. And it will require everybody to kind of jump in and feel like they have ownership. And we want to create something more open source and open and transparent. For And you'll see if you go to CosmicLabyrinth.world, you'll notice that we, we publish all of our meetings. We want everybody to see, like, even when we have conflicts, how do we resolve our conflicts in real time? So we try to be very transparent in what we're developing and, and even, yeah, how, how we deal with issues. <laughs> so, Indy, thank you so, so much. I had such a fun time speaking with you. Yeah, likewise, Yao. Thanks for being such an amazing facilitator of this space and, and holding that space. Should, should, I, should I leave us on some flute? Please, please, After this time to nurture your mind and your spirit, we invite you to take a moment to consider others. A kind wish might come to mind. Know that what we learn becomes more valuable when we apply it and share it with others. So share this episode on Instagram stories, tag Yandara and I, or share with a loved one so that more people can benefit from it. Our hope is that the search will lead you home to who you already are to what was always there. We'll be back next week with more inspiration, honest conversation, and insight into the energetic world around us. Thank you for listening and watching.